The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Furfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. One of the reasons I love doing this podcast is that, Holly, when you come and we, when we hang out, we just have the best time. <laughs> I know. And always, you, I learn something from you. You do? Either the best store to go to, the best <laughs> online thing to get great deals, or the best uh, medical information, or See? what happened on CNN, or you know your mind of information i have to make myself useful otherwise i'll you know disappear no one will ever have me over we love having you on this podcast do you want to talk about the, the thing i told you about this morning yes my i first, do so i walked in and i have a pair of um gray pleather boots you know they look like riding boots motorcycle type boots and they're gorgeous and, and i asked holly i said where did you get those boots from well here she goes again dollars fifteen dollars okay so here's our secret everybody you go to the website, $15, I think it's $15store.com. Google that. Everything on there is $15. I went to Mexico last week and I got bathing suits before I went because um, this girl has liked the fall eating season, Halloween. And I got two I got a Kenneth, two Kenneth Cole bathing suits, $15 each. I think it's like overstock or end of season. I don't care if it fits and Who it looks good. I'm that? getting it. Exactly. You know what? And for all the men that are about to turn off now, don't. There's men's stuff on there. <laughs> There's guys' stuff on there. And I actually have gotten my husband, Sean, a couple of things. They've got accessories, all that stuff. You buy him clothes? He hasn't gone shopping since he met me. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you kidding? Because that's that's how many years? It's been six years we've been together. So everything, because everyone's like, oh, you look nice. And he's like, and I go, thank you. Because <laughs> yeah, I do it. That That's the same. I, you know, I, I don't particularly enjoy shopping that much, but... Um, my husband hates it. Mm -hmm. And case in point, he was at Costco the other day, gets excited about going to Costco. <laughs> Me too. Everybody does. It's just a great store. And of course, you go there and you spend too much money. Right. And he came back with this huge pair of the most repulsive jeans I've ever seen. <laughs> so proud of these awful things. It looked like he could fit two vans into these this pair of jeans. What are you thinking? I am going to take him out on a shopping trip yeah. where we're going to get some cool Levi's, where we're going to get some yes. cool stuff. And so actually make a day of it and yeah. make it fun for both of us. Hey, I should go with you because then the two guys can sit and while well, we shove clothes at them and make them try it yeah, on. Yeah, but they'll bitch. That's true. You know, the last That's time true. I went shopping with my husband, gosh, probably about four or five years ago, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe even longer than that. And he was an absolute pain in my rear end. Yeah. And he was just, it's he was thing. complaining and he was moody. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I am never, and I told him this, I am never going to go shopping with you again. Mm -hmm. So now I go by myself. Yeah. Well, that was his master plan because he and my husband are probably separated at birth because Sean will do the same thing to me and the same thing. And now he gets to sit home on the couch and watch football while I go shopping and bring him the clothes. Great. But the, the, the trade-off is he wears what I want him to wear. So um, when I came home, although he tends to quote unquote lose things like these gorgeous linen pants and a linen shirt, he's like, what am I, you know, I'm not, you know, Bob Marley. And I was like, but you look good in linen. <laughs> and he does look good in linen. I have to say, oh, I have, can I just say this as well? That I think two weeks ago, he did another Costco trip and he came back with <laughs> the most repulsive brown poop colored kind of sweater <laughs> top thing. Thank goodness this was his birthday oh. on Sunday because my mother, God bless her, sent all the way from England a really nice gray sweater. You know, mother-in-laws <laughs> actually normally send really bad stuff, but it was just a really nice gray sweater. So thank goodness for that because I said, you are not wearing that brown thing with me. You can wear it by yourself. You can wear it when you go play basketball, but you are not wearing it with me. He'll be watching it in his man cave while he watches football. He'll wear that. Uh, dear. Anyway, I really, I've been really wanting to find out, A, how your Mexico trip was, but also about your movie shoot. Oh, I know. Okay, so Mexico, I mentioned, um, brought the bathing suits. It was fantastic. We were in um, near Playa del Carmen, and a friend of ours um, who does radio, who did radio with me, does radio with me now, got married, and it was beautiful. 
I mean, you know, there's something to be said for a wedding on the beach. There was 31 people. It was mostly family, but it was just so nice. We got there on Wednesday, and the minute you pull up into the resort and you see the beach, it's like all the stress goes away. And my husband hasn't had a vacation in a year, pretty much. And so I think I saw a different. I was like, oh my god, do I know you? I kind of like. I felt like I was cheating on my husband because he was a different person. But it was beautiful. The wedding was gorgeous. Perfect weather, and you know, I could sit all day long on a beach and read a book and have a little fruity cocktail. And I'm the happiest girl in the world. Everyone else was at the pool. I don't understand this. We live in Atlanta and wherever, even we're nowhere near the ocean. So I'm going to sit at the beach as long as I can. Everyone else sat at the pool, but it was great. It was fine. It was fun. We had a good time, but here's the problem. It wasn't all inclusive. So I don't know if it's just me and I'm crazy, but I felt like you must drink, you must eat. I was gorging to get my quote unquote money's worth because it wasn't cheap. And my husband, who doesn't drink, I kept throwing liquor drinks down his throat because I'm like, come on, that's vodka. That's expensive. Drink it. So I gained like six pounds. You did? Oh, in God, five yeah. days. It was great. Fantastic. That sounds like Disney World when we went. We had sort of the all-inclusive package where oh, you, you have to eat a certain amount of food per day. Otherwise, <laughs> you, you lose money. We were ramming that food down our throats. <laughs> we Still, we couldn't eat everything that they, that they right. said you could eat. So, And then it's that epiphany of, you know, gosh, I'm a little hungry. And let's order room service. And you call room service like, I would like the chicken nuggets. And I would like a taco. And I would like nachos. And then I would like the chocolate cake. And then a sundae. And you're like... Like, it's two o'clock in the afternoon, dinner's in three hours. It doesn't matter. It's all inclusive. And they come and it comes to you. It's fantastic. Every once in a while, you're allowed. But I did work out the drink thing because, you know, they pour drinks and it's a tiny little bit of vodka because I, I, you know, I thought, good gosh, I, I'm, I'm a heavyweight. I keep drinking and I don't, you know, not that I, I'm not an alcoholic and not drunk, but I don't feel this. And so I noticed they were hardly putting any liquor. So I'm like, I would like a three shot raspberry vodka and soda and two shots of vanilla vodka on the side. And they all looked at me like, fuerte, mas fuerte, girl. So um, all was great. So you're sitting on the beach with your book and your vodka at your side. From like eight in the morning until five in the afternoon. And of course, I would see people and, you know, here and there we had dinners planned or, you know, we'd all go to lunch. But yep. Just, I was like a beached whale. How fantastic. Like a beached whale. (laughs) Can we see a picture of you, Holly? Yeah, right. I think I have a picture of my toes I'll send you. Yeah. No, actually, can we put that up on the website? It's a beautiful shot. And I'll throw a couple pictures of the wedding because it's just a pretty setting. But Tell me about the movie. The movie. Okay, so uh, last week I uh, filmed a scene in the movie called Flight with Denzel Washington. Um, I was not in a scene with Denzel Washington. I was very misled. I Darn. Thought, and I was like, is this the nude scene where he's nude and I'm not? Uh, no, he wasn't even there. But um, Robert Zemeckis was the director and I got to work with him. He was fantastic and it was really neat. And it's um, they were kind of describing it as sort of those 70s throwback movies, but updated. And I can't say much about it. And I, I tap pictures, but I had to sign an, a non-disclosure. So I can't put up any pictures or whatever until the movie comes out. So in a year, you'll see it on the podcast. But it's the story is um, a plane goes down in the middle of nowhere and um, Denzel Washington plays Captain Whitaker and he's the hero. But there's mysterious past with Captain Whitaker and it was an accident, was an accident. What's going on? And it kind of destroys this whole town and a lot of stuff going on with it. So it's called Flight. Great. And yeah, so it's cool. I played, you know, it was a stretch, a reporter. Oh gosh! Yes, but um, I got you to had take to do some, your search for that one. Yes, I had to take I got to take some cool pictures with some quote unquote bloody people. It was great because the survivors of the plane crash and I, I was begging the makeup people to make me bloody and they wouldn't do it. So, you know, my ultimate goal in life. What? It will not be complete. It's a bucket list item. Is I want to play a dead body on CSI so badly. <laughs> you on the table? Yeah, I just want to be a dead body. I don't care. I mean, it could be my head. It could be, you know, down on the ground, splat. I don't care. Any producers out there for CSI? Yes, please. Please contact us at here at Positively Podcast. But it was very cool. Very cool. And um, so, and you were out of town while I was gone. You were in New York. Yeah, but I, everything that I do sounds so much less exciting. No. Slash a <laughs> um, bit more down to earth, a bit less... I don't know. What's the word? Yours is more um, meaningful. How about that? Well, Mine maybe. is frivolous. No, well, I don't know. It's less exotic. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I was in York, Pennsylvania, as you were sunning yourself in Mexico. I love York. Was York, the weather nice? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was oh. actually the day we got there was raining. It was gray. It was freezing cold. But it was a perfect time for you then to be indoors and talking with the great people there. I was at the yeah. Polo Center. 
in York, Pennsylvania. And it was fabulous. The people at the Polo Center were great. And the show was really, really good. A great response from people. They enjoyed it. We had some beautiful dogs there. And uh, yeah, it was really, it was really great. I love doing my live shows. There's nothing better than actually being able to connect with my audience. What do you do in the live show? For, you know, I've never been to one of your live shows. Okay, well, we're going to be doing a live show in Atlanta next year, so you oh, will good. be able to come to that. Yes. And I actually want to get you on stage, so we'll talk about that a bit later. But I, there's a lot of behind the scenes of it's me or the dog. Oh, there's cool. a, a rescue dog that I work with on stage. There's a lot of audience participation. There's question and answer. There are things you're going to find out about your dog that you never, never knew. Fascinating facts. And, you know, we do fascinating facts here on this podcast. But, you know, there's amazing video where you'll be able to really decipher dog language. You'll come out of there learning and knowing so much more about your own dog in your life as well as having fun. I sell my book there. I sell my canine noise phobia series, mm-hmm. T-shirts, hats. You can buy paraphernalia. I'll sign them for you. We hang out. It's just a really great evening. And it's really it's a family-friendly evening as well. So you're doing um, another one in New Bedford Saturday, right? Yeah. The 19th. Yes, I am. And Saturday the 19th at 3 p.m. at the Zyterian Theatre. Uh, that I'll be in New Bedford. Um, and I'll be working with another rescue shelter there forever pause shelter we worked in york pennsylvania i worked with animal rescue inc oh Oh, my gosh this this is a sanctuary and i visited the sanctuary they adopt dogs out but for the unadoptables they live in the sanctuary for the rest of their lives and believe you me it's like a sanctuary Oh, wow. It is like a sanctuary because so many of these sanctuaries, they say they're sanctuaries and dogs are just kept in kennel runs. But these dogs were just hanging out on 25 acres of property. Wow. So, they, you know, I'm sure if some of these dogs were adopted, they'd be like, don't want to go. I want to stay here. <laughs> so thank you so much to Animal Rescue Inc. Fabulous people. Phil and Grace, the owners of that and, and all the great volunteers. Thank you so much for bringing your dogs. And Forever Pause, I look forward to seeing you. And please, if you haven't got your tickets yet, come to um, my great show at uh, the Zyterium Theatre this Saturday at 3 o'clock at at, um, New Bedford, Massachusetts. And I know that you can go to Positively.com slash appearances and find out all the details for where Vic's going to be. I also went to, um, as we drove down from Pennsylvania to Fredericksburg, Virginia, in fact, mm-hmm. we stopped off for a day at Charlottesville because my mm. husband went to U- University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. So we had a great day in, in Charlottesville. We went to Monticello. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And um, and then we walked around the campus, which I have to tell you, it's, it's just beautiful. The University of Virginia is just a city. Mm-hmm. It's just fantastic. And then um, whilst he went to the football game the next day and got very, very drunk. My husband doesn't get drunk often. No, he doesn't. <laughs> He's he really doesn't. He got hammered. <laughs> hammered. And when I spoke, and there I was at an event, a charity event, yeah. doing an appearance in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I, I called him about half past 10, a very giggly, happy husband at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was on his, I don't know, fifth bar. Please tell me that you videotaped some of this with your phone. No. Dang well, it. I wasn't there. I don't think he, he did. Oh. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I don't think I wanted to see him right then that evening. I don't think he was too well. But I was. Um, I went to the sixth annual Take a Bite Out of Canine Cancer event hosted by Greyhounds Rock Fredericksburg. Oh, what is yeah, that? It was, it was a weekend gathering to benefit the Ohio State University's Greyhound Health and Wellness Program. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, you see, what a lot of people don't know is that, um, I mean, everyone knows – a dog that's had cancer or somebody's had a dog that's died mm-hmm. of cancer yeah. and it's a leading cause of death for a canine companions according to the morris foundation up to 50 percent of all canines will die from cancer wow and um so greyhounds rock fredericksburg is working with researchers at ohio state university to help find cures provide mm-hmm. help to um pet owners um what's so great about this is not only is it helping these amazing animals um but it's also the research that is being done on animals can be for animals. I'm not going to say on animals, for animals mm-hmm. can be used to help people as well. Mm. So there's that really, really important link. And I met a lot of beautiful greyhounds. I met other breeds as well, but greyhounds that have suffered from, from this condition. And uh, a lot of, again, great people that are trying to do great things. I love that. You know, if anybody, I'm curious, I know there's so many people doing so many things out there, uh, animal rescue and, and for animal charities, email us at positively.com and let us know what's going on. Um, actually go to podcasts at positively.com. That'll get to us quicker. And um, let us know what you have going on. And, you know, maybe we'll be able to promote some events like this because I think it's such a such a great, worthy cause. So um, 
So podcasts at positively.com. I used to be able to name every nut, and it used to drive my mother crazy. What planet is he on? That's like peanut, hazelnut. Yeah, but did you know macadamia nuts are toxic to dogs? Macadamia nuts. I'm absolutely amazed. Oh, and did you know this? Petting dogs is proven to lower blood pressure of dog owners. So next time you've been sitting in traffic, pet your dog. (laughs) Good idea, good advice, right? Makes you feel great. (laughs) Uh, I want to start a hot topic, actually, and it was something really interesting that I heard today on the Today Show. So I investigated it, and um, it's a new study that's come out from Yale University and King's College London. And um, it's aimed at teaching parents to encourage sustained behavior change. So forget everything you may have read about coping with children's temper tantrums. Oh, yeah. You know, we use timeouts, we use sticker charts to reward good behavior, we deny television. I do that with my daughter, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're not going to watch television tomorrow. Um, and for many, none of these measures will actually result in long-term behavior change, according to these researchers, which are child psychologists at Yale University in King's College London. So what do you do instead? All right. A set of techniques known as parent management training is proving so helpful to families struggling with a child's unimaginable behavior that clinicians in the U.S. and the U.K. are starting to adopt them. Hmm, it sounds very formal. What does it Parent mean? Parent management training. <clears throat> yeah. It's aimed at teaching parents to encourage sustained behavior change. And um, even violent tantrums, tantrums or clinging to the point of riding on a parent's leg can be curbed, researchers say. So it's like they're saying use positive reinforcement instead of taking things away. Well, they're saying simply rewarding good behavior isn't particularly effective because every parent on the planet has tried charts and point programs. I've done charts. Actually, Mm -hmm. I was really successful with charts. Um, Explaining to a child why you want them to do something or punishing them with long timeouts isn't effective either. Yes, I'm with you on that because Mm -hmm. I've seen so many people try and reason with a three-year-old. They don't have that capacity yet. No, and the reason why, okay – when, when a child, uh, 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 the reason I'm bringing this up is because so much of what these researchers are saying is what trainers like myself have been saying for years. Mm-hmm. Okay, for years. My gosh, if we're still not far ahead with children, we're, we've no hope with dogs. <laughs> um, the training focuses on three components, right? Mm-hmm. Known as the ABCs, the antis- an- antecedent or the environment and events that set the stage for tantrum. Then there's the behavior itself, how parents can help a child learn new behaviors, and the consequences. And the consequences component involves reinforcing a positive behavior or discouraging a negative one. When a child is at the point where it's having a tantrum, Mm -hmm. its brain is so overloaded with so much adrenaline, it can't learn. The emotional part of the brain takes over, and that inhibits the learning part of the brain. Same as when a dog is being really reactive, like a dog at the end of a leash that's lunging at another dog, Mm -hmm. being really reactive. You can't teach that dog right at that moment because it's too much going on. It's too emotional, and and its learning brain is inhibited. You have to get that dog to a point where it can calm down enough to be able to learn because when the learning brain takes over, that inhibits the emotional brain. So when you're too emotional, you can't learn. When you're learning, you have less chance of becoming too emotional. Okay, same as in a child, as in right. a dog, as in a human, as in a, I mean, as in an adult. So basically, the first thing you want to do is calm them down, get them out of that situation to calm that down, to right. get that adrenaline out, to get them to stop being so emotionally reactive. Yeah. One of the ways to do it, they're saying, is simply ignoring that behavior. As long as that child is safe, ignore that behavior. Because, um, and also the parent itself has to be very patient and have emotional restraint, which, believe you me, Mm -hmm. having a child who really didn't go through very many tantrums, but she's had the old one or two, can be really difficult. And it's it's very hard to put it into practice. Well, it's kind of like the hysteria. One person gets hysterical, and the next one, and they it just sort of the the ante it ups the ante, and everybody you know it gets to this fever pitch. And nobody's going to win. So if you ignore that behavior, you wait for your child to calm down. Um, but you don't. You see, so much of training is 
trying to avoid that tantrum, that reactive behavior in the first place. And one of the ways you do that is to reinforce desired behavior with praise and to ignore that negative behavior. And when I when we say that, we say use an enthusiastic tone of voice. Parents should be specific about which behavior they're praising. Saying, for example, I asked you to pick up that toy and you did it. Well done. Rather than you're a good girl or you make mummy happy. Mm-hmm. And all of these things. Now, you can't reason with a dog, but you can. I call it catching a behavior. Say, hey, good job or good dog or I like that or praise or whatever you want to make that dog feel good and make the right choices. And it's all about teaching a dog, teaching a child to make the right kind of choices. Because then they'll remember what they were rewarded for and they'll try and repeat that behavior. Yes. As opposed to not even really comprehending what's going wrong when they're having a meltdown. They just remember they got yelled at and it was an awful situation and they're not happy. Right. And you know what parents are so good at? Like there's a a kid that's behaving really well and uh, you're sitting with your kid Mm -hmm. and, you know, you say to your kid, why can't you do that? Why can't you be like that? I've actually never said that to Alex, but Mm -hmm. I've known parents and I've heard parents say that to their children. Why can't you be as good as Tommy over there? And that's actually really not a cool thing to do. Yeah, well, that would make sense because what if that child has... In, unable to do that or it's sort of now you're setting them up for a whole I'm never I'm not good enough yeah psychology in their lives yeah and I, I you know I love this whole thing of positive reinforcement the main thing that they're saying is do not yell scream mm-hmm. or use or hit your child spank your child in any way because you're a you're getting down to their level mm-hmm. b you're showing that child that violence is the way that you you deal with stressful situations, you deal with intense situations, they're getting a reaction from you, you're fueling the fire, Um, you're being violent towards your child, and you're you're letting go yourself. You're showing that you are unable to contain your emotions, and you're just getting on the level of your child's tantrum. So you have to adopt a, a less emotional stance to it and try and think through the tantrum rather than joining in, as it were. If you use positive reinforcement, that child is going to become so much more confident. And it's exactly the same with dogs. Praise the Lord. This is what we have been saying to people. And I don't know. We shouldn't be putting child and dogs on the same level. But as I always say, the same, the behavioral principles for treating both of these vulnerable beings are the same. You know, it reminds me of something you told me that, I was doing and that you corrected my behavior and it helped when my dog Barnsley would bark, whether it was somebody walking by, I would, my husband and I, the first tendency is to yell at him, Barnsley, stop talking, shut up, stop barking, you know, and yell. But you told me, well, he just thinks you're joining in because he doesn't understand what you're saying. And so then he would bark even more and then I would yell louder and this became hysteria and nobody was happy. So instead I've done the same thing is when he's barking, I actually distract him. If he starts to bark crazy, I go, oh my gosh, look at this. And I'll put something in my hand and get it right near his face. So he distracts him. Like, what do you have? What do you have? And then he forgets to bark at what's walking down the street. So it's a lot of the same way. It's exactly what you've taught me with my dog. We call it positive redirection. And you do it with your dog. You do it with your child. That's what these psychologists at Yale University are saying, that you positively, well, positive redirection is my, my term for it, but mm-hmm. you redirect your child onto making better choices as you redirect your dog onto making better choices. Now, people say to me, but dog, dogs can't make choices. They don't have the ability to make choices. Well, you know what? Smell the coffee. Yes, they do. They yes, do. they can. Yeah. They can make a better choice. And in fact, in so many ways, so many times, a dog doesn't want to be, the leash lunger doesn't want to be lunging at this other dog at the other end of the leash. It's just scared or it, it feels uncomfortable. You give it another way to be. You positively redirect that behavior onto something that makes the dog feel better. Your dog is going to choose that second choice rather than choice number one. See, it makes, it makes me realize how much we are alike the dog world, how much people and, and dogs are alike. And I know that um, I have been in the past called quirky and kooky and things like that. But, um, and if you live in my mind, you probably would agree, but it reminds me of something that my husband and I talked about not too long ago. And it's something that he would make fun of me. And now I think he understands, but if I'm at a cocktail party and I know this is weird and I am a dog person and I think you'll relate and everyone here will relate. 
it, it, when I meet somebody and we talk, I automatically, I don't give them a label like, oh, she's a princess. Oh, he's a snob. Oh, he's the college boy. I, I, I give them a dog. <laughs> I always refer and I'm like, she's such the poodle. Or I'll say, oh my God, he is totally a schnauzer. And that happens in my mind. And I've never, ever shared that with anybody. And actually, last night, as a matter of fact, my husband and I were having a conversation, and I just came out with it, and I accidentally said, you are so the bloodhound. And he said, what? I said, you are so the bloodhound. Doom, 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 like not a care in the world, just, you know, doom, 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 I'm, oh, my ears are dragging on the floor, doom, doom, and he's like, that is Sean. <laughs> it's my that husband. Is Sean. And so he looked at me, he goes, really? He goes, well, you know what you are? And I was like, no, what am I? He goes, you're a Labradoodle. Ooh. And I was like, oh my I God, guess Holly. I am a Labradoodle. Sean, I, I, He's you're right. kind of right. Because it's kind of like goofy, but I want everyone to be happy and I'm fun and I'm playful. And so then we started talking and we actually gave you and your husband dogs. So I was like, well, what would Victoria be? And um, Sean has labeled you the Doberman. Whoa. Because. Silent but deadly. Well, no, but they're very, if you look at them, they're very imposing. They're very elegant. They're, he goes tall, sleek, thin, which is what you are. And that very, like, you know, imposing kind of scary. But then when you get to know them, they're sweet. They're loyal. They're not as scary on the surface. And he's like, that's you. So then I asked him, well, what would what would Victoria? I'm dying to hear this. What, me. what is he? Your husband's the old English sheepdog. Oh, do you know? <laughs> oh, with a little bit of pit. Mixed into that. Uh-huh. A little bit of that sort old of Old English sheepdog pit mix. And I asked him, I said, why the old English sheepdog? And he said, well, because, you know, he's kind of like goofy and he's there and he doesn't. And he's like, you know, whatever. And they're not, they're not, no, we've talked about this before, known to be the brightest, but they're loyal and they're fun. <laughs> and you have to know that my husband and your husband are very good friends. Yes. It's not an insult. Yeah. No, it's not an insult. And I have to say, yeah, I agree with some of that. But I also, I have to tell you, he's, he's, I, I think I, I want to add the pit in. In there okay because he a is a very smart businessman mm-hmm. and he's very tenacious that's when he gets out of bed before nine o'clock in the morning <laughs> but he he is very tenacious very and a and he is you don't want to get in an argument with him because you will lose doesn't matter if you're right, right. you'll lose yeah. he's like a lawyer in a courtroom yeah and that's probably why he gets along so well with my husband sean it's the same way i think a lot of people who are sort of type A have a little pit in them somewhere. That mm-hmm. sort of determination and all of that. So I think I also have a bit of border collie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm kind of I'm I'm a bit sound sensitive. Oh, yeah, I have an amazing hearing. Interesting. Yeah, and and a little bit maybe not OCD. I right. don't think I've got OCD, but I think there's there's a few me. various traits of a border collie that. Maybe I have. Highly loyal, though. Yep, yep. So mm-hmm. now, everybody, here's what I'm thinking. Everyone's going to go home and be like, hmm, what's my husband? What's my wife? What's my daughter? But you will do this, and it'll be fun. And now, you know, we're coming into the holiday season. So when you're at a holiday party and you start meeting people, you know you're going to do this. In the back of your mind, you're going to be like, hi, nice to meet you, Lisa Jones. Schnauzer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Oh my gosh, please, please. <laughs> if you, you know what? I really like it. If people could contact us and uh, at the podcast and yeah. just, um, what kind of dog are you? And why? And why? Yeah. Why do you think you're that dog? I just okay. think it's fantastic. So welcome to my world. Welcome to my head. And I know that um, we're going to be talking with somebody actually coming up um, who's going to be calling our Positively Hotline yes. about dogs and business and how this kind of translate what kind of dog are you what kind of boss would you be what kind of job would you have what kind of company would you run so we'll have to ask uh, Robert Viter yes his name? yeah Robert Viter mm-hmm. we'll have to ask him what kind of dog he is he's the president of the American Pet Products Association and uh, he's written a great book called From Wags to Riches and he's going to be on the Positively Hotline I love it all right let's answer the phone the Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. Into the phone! Ladies and On our Positively Hotline, we have Robert Viteri, or Bob, because I've met him quite a few times. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? 
good. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Did we saw each other? Well, certainly we saw each other at the Global Pet Expo, which was just a fantastic experience. And then the New York Pet Show. Was that the last time I met you? I think so. I think back in May at NYC Pets was the last time I saw you. Yes. And now I'm really excited because you've got this great new book that's just about to come out from Wags to Riches. Um, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Holly Furfer. Hello, Bob. Hello. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm really fascinated about uh, by this book. Tell me about From Wags to Riches. What is this? And the picture on the cover is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> that's that, that was my choice. I have to admit, I saw that <laughs> picture and I just fell in love with it. It says it all. It's, you know, I've, I've spent my whole life around dogs and I've always watched dogs do dog things and, and looked at them as dogs. And then slowly but surely I began to realize that they really have a way with people. And there's some things that they do that make a lot of sense when you're working with people. And it just, well, when you look at them as many humans doing people things with people, it, it starts to fall into place that they have some pretty good ideas. They do. And um, I, well, I think what I really liked about this book is that you really go into the whole um, thing of observing, of, of observing dog behavior, observing human behavior. It's part, a, a lot of what I do when I'm training dogs is, is I feel like I'm a detective. I go into a home and I really, really spend a lot of time getting clues as to why the dog is behaving in a certain way. And those clues come from not just dog body language, but human body language as well. Can can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you're making an excellent point. I mean, you start to watch after a while, and, and you know, a dog left to his own devices, a dog is just a happy-go-lucky, you know, <laughs> two-year-old. It's it's just, you know, let's let's play. The world is going to keep going. Don't worry about it, and let's have some fun. So when you start to see behavior problems in a dog, you realize that those have come from his reacting to people and what people are doing to him and with him. The same as with people. I mean, if you have an employee um, and you're very involved and happy-go-lucky and, and nurturing to the employee, you're going to get one kind of employee. If you're dictatorial and, and you have to be the alpha dog in every situation and, and you start squashing this person's enthusiasm, then you're going to get a completely different kind of employee. It, it flows the same both ways. Your dog treats you, you know, if I come home after a really bad day, he's the one person I could sit down with and I could just vent. I could tell him what a horrible day I had and people are, are terrible and yeah, yeah, yeah. And all he does is sit there and look at me and never cuts in, never tries to say he had a worse day or anything. And then when I'm done and it's like, it's almost like, okay, you got that out of your system. He'll lick my face, pick up a tennis ball and say, okay, now let's go on with the rest of life. Well, the same works in the office place. If you know, you're sensitive to people and you, and you listen to, to what people have and the problems that they have and you're sympathetic and then you talk about, okay, that problem's done, let's, let's move on and, and move upward, people are going to respond positively that way. So once I realized that, it got to be fun kind of watching my Goldens and all the other dogs I've had and see their little secrets to success and kind of adopt some of them myself. See, what I really like about that is, you know, for, for, for people, all of us who've worked and maybe have worked for bosses that aren't so pleasant, it doesn't make you feel good. Um, and what I, what I like, your book doesn't rely on outdated theories about pack leadership with the alpha dogs attempting to achieve world domination. Um, yeah. it, it follows modern behavioral science where you, the most effective leaders, a dog or a human, doesn't lead by forcing their will on another. They find out what motivates their followers, their workers, their employees, and help them make good choices exactly the same as, as what we teach dogs to, to do and the way that we motivate them to learn. And, and I love that because you know that in our world, we're battling so much uh, uh, against the old style dominance theory out there. So I love the way that your book brings that out. And it's the same with people as it is with animals. Absolutely, Victoria. If you watch the pack mentality of a dog pack, if, if they're looking for food, they're going to follow the, the, the members of the pack that know where food is. If they're looking for shelter, they're going to find different members of the group that know where shelter is. If they're looking to protect themselves and so on and so forth. It, it's, you, know, you, you hear about the alpha dog all the time, but the alpha dog, if you want to use that term, changes with every situation. So 
there truly is no one single alpha dog in, in a pack that handles every single eventuality. And the same way it is at work. I'm smart enough to know that all the people I have working for me do their jobs much better than I could do them. I mean, I'm here as the buffer and try and coordinate everything, but if they couldn't do their, if I could do their jobs better than them, I wouldn't need them. So once I recognize that, let them do what they're best at, and you know, I'll, I'll follow along and, and try and coordinate it with everything else. And it's just the same with with the the dogs. You've hit the nail on the head because what a lot of people think is that the whole term alpha is that there is uh, just one leader, just one one alpha in the pack, um, and that that just doesn't happen. You can have a pack of dogs in your home, and um, the pack leader changes regard regarding to environment for so for example one of the dogs will have the best location to sleep in but the other uh, dog will take over and get the best food bowl and the best food um, exactly. and that have first access to that food and so uh, or you have a pack of wild dogs or wild wolves there's going to be one that leads the hunt and there's exactly. going to be the other one that finds where they're going to uh, where they're going to make their den at night so i, I think I think that's really, really interesting that you bring that up too. And talk about you talk about how you run your business. What 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 company do you run so people can sort of put in perspective to see what you do and how you relate it? Well, I'm, I'm kind of in the perfect job. I, I run the American Pet Products Association, which is a an organization comprised of a thousand manufacturers of everything from dog food and cat food to lizard jewelry and ferret hammocks. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome, a ferret hammock. Never heard of that. Uh, That's brilliant. One of, one of the first conversations I ever had once I took this job was the gentleman who makes ferret hammocks who was explaining to me the differences between them. So at that point, I knew this is just going to be fun. That's awesome. You know what I, I like is that you also encourage people to find out about themselves before you lead others. I think it is important to know who you are and be comfortable with what type of person you are because we're all different and it, and depending on who you are is how you're going to relate to other people. How do you do that? I mean, we had a conversation earlier on the podcast. In my mind, I associate people with dog breeds. It's just something I do. It's my little quirky sure. when I meet people and helps me remember who they are. But you say this is really good in business. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at, I think it's chapter... Uh... Two that, that talks about what breed of manager are you, and gives you all these questions to, to kind of figure out which breed you really lean toward. And you know, you, you made an excellent point there. Once you know who you are, it gets a whole lot easier to work with everybody else because you'll understand your strengths and the things that really work well. But more importantly, you start to understand your not so strengths. I, I spend a lot of time learning those, and it. it then allows you to be conscious of, you know, where you could be making a mistake or where what you think that's being viewed as positive might not necessarily be viewed as positive. I mean, you know, I went through, and, and of the breeds there, I guess I'm more of a golden retriever, but kind of with some poodle thrown in, and then <laughs> I guess there's some mutt thrown in me somewhere. But, you know, so, so maybe I'm a golden doodle or something like that. But, I mean, I, I, as I read through that and I started to realize, gee, that's really – some of the things that I do, but there's a couple of uh, loopholes here that I have to watch out for. And, and uh, it's, it's just, I think it's a fun chapter to read, but it really does give you some perspective on yourself and helps when you're dealing with others. We're, we're dog kin, Bob, because um, I was termed the Labradoodle, so welcome to my pack. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Holly and Sean, or Sean, Holly's husband, said that I'm a Doberman. What do you think about that, Bob? Well, I... I I must see a different side of you then. <laughs> <laughs> Dobermans, they're a little quiet. And I am a little quiet. I'm, I'm a tiny bit shy. Um, but, okay, uh, I'm not sure I would have got the shy part. But okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes. So but I, um, I, I kind of like that description. Now, um, this book, when is this book out? December 6th? Where can we December, find it? December 6th. Right now, you could pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble's websites and, and uh, Walmart's website and a few other websites. And then you'll start to see it in... Uh, some airport bookshops and, and uh, Barnes and & Noble and other bookstores beginning on December 6th. Uh, and I believe there's even going to be a Kindle and Nook mm -hmm. version available 
uh, after the sixth. That's so. perfect. I love it because it's perfect for the time for the holidays. So if you have somebody you know in your life that's in business, I think this is a great book for anybody, whether you're a boss or not, to understand sort of the workplace. Well, yeah, there's, and I appreciate that kind of because there's even chapters talking about just generally you know, living your life and, and little lessons you could learn in living your life and dealing with family, kids, friends, strangers, everything. I mean, so there's, there's little bits and pieces, but to me, the fun part is it's, it's a, it's an easy read. It's a quick read. It's, it's an airplane book. It's, you know, it's not going to be on the Harvard business school, uh, textbook show. Hey, you never know. Well, that's true. <laughs> it could be a diversion in the diversion column, but but it it just these are one you know as you start to read through, you're going to have some aha moments. Go, huh? I hadn't thought of that before, but that's true. You know, I, I've watched Rex do that, and I didn't realize he was manipulating me all the time. So, I, I think there's you know that perspective to it that it's it's. It gives you something to think about that's not going to be so new. It's just going to be something that you hadn't thought of that way before. So you're the, the president of the American Pet Products Association, better known as APA. Um, and Pets Add Life, thank you so much for your support of this podcast, um, is a subsidiary of APA. Which yeah. I love. I love that website. You've got the greatest videos. I get so much great information from Pets Add Life. I mean, I, I check it out every couple of days. I make it a point. It's bookmarked. Oh, that's great because it's amazing what people are willing to share with us in that. I mean, we're, we're, all we're doing is promoting responsible pet ownership and, and encouraging people to, you know, be, be very careful with their pets. But what the videos they'll share with us, the pictures <laughs> and the stories, and I just marvel at it. <laughs> Anytime I'm having a bad day, I go there and yes. I just feel better. That's fantastic. And we, we all know that pets add so much to our lives. Um, I, you know, I had Sadie who was, who was really an only dog for a number of years and I was thought, yeah, she's, she's fine as an only dog, but you know, you encourage a pet's ad life to, to, to add another pet to your life yeah. if, if you do it responsibly. And, yeah. um, so now I have two dogs with Jasmine as well. Sadie <laughs> has you. company. Uh, now yeah. I see a different Sadie, a Sadie that I feel like is a lot happier, even though I'm sure Jasmine drives her mad sometimes. But Jasmine's the dog that she can go hunt with and run with and play with, even though Jasmine is a Chihuahua and Sadie's a Labrador, they still have a great time together. So I would encourage people, if you do have a single dog out there and you can adopt another dog responsibly, then think about it because I really do believe, believe our pets need their pet companions. We call it the Noah's Ark theory. Yes. And of course, <laughs> the, everything. the more dogs that get adopted and the more dogs that go into homes, the less that will get euthanized. Yes. No, and, and yes. you said it just right. I mean, if it's logical and, and plausible and you could take good care of your pet's partner, then absolutely I encourage that. And, and like you said, you see a difference. I mean, you know, if I sat in a room with a gerbil, a fish, a dog, and a cat, I, I'd have some humor around, but at some point I would probably <laughs> like another human there for, for a different level of interaction. Well, your dog loves you to death, but at some point you'd like to just go bite somebody else's tail and have some fun with that. So, you know, it, it's, it makes a big difference, and, and it's, it's a big plus for your pet. That's a brilliant way to put it. Thank you so much, Bob Viteri, your book, From Wags to Riches, out December 6th, pre-ordering now on Amazon. Really appreciate you. Appreciate the American Pet Product Association and PetsAdLife.org. You've done so much for us. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Hey, Victoria, give me a fascinating furry fact. The aggressive bark is... Uh, thanks for that, I guess. I know what you're thinking. Get crazy people, crazy dog. Did you provoke her? What did you do? Come on, did you pitch her or something? Got anything else? Those born under the sign of the dog in Chinese astrology are considered to be loyal and discreet, though slightly temperamental. All those nights <laughs> of reading to my child, I read to her from the moment she was born, the day she was born, every single day I read to her. Now she's a great reader. I know. See, it paid mm -hmm. off. I mm -hmm. love it. That was Alex with those great facts. Yes, and I want to be able to now ask you some questions, Holly. Ugh. So here we go. It's time for the Animal Academy. Let's jump right into the Let's Embarrass and Humiliate Holly segment. Open your notebook, sharpen your pencil, and get ready. You're about to attend Victoria's Animal Academy. 
we are going to be testing Holly again. You know, here we go. On a future podcast, you've got to be asking me some questions. I would love to do I that. Think we've, I think we've got to turn the tables yeah. on me. Okay, it's going to be a surprise. And then we'll everyone can see how dumb I am. You are not. You're probably going to embarrass me. But that's no, I won't. Because you'll <laughs> ask me these really weird questions. Yeah, because you know I'm going to look for hard you are. and yeah, evasive questions. You are yes. going to get me Lucid. back. Yes. All right. Well, here, I, I, I think you maybe know some of these. Okay. Let's hope. The kiss of death. Yeah. Okay. Bring it. We're going to talk about entertainment. Oh, I know that. Animals and entertainment. Like what kind of dog the Kardashians have? Do you know what? (laughs) I have no idea. I don't either. I don't even know if they have a dog. All right, carry on. What is all that going on with oh, Kim Kardashian? Can you believe that? Oh, come on. She made like a she while she was married it was like she made $142,000 a minute of her marriage. How ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Please. I know. Okay. Right. <laughs> I could get really rude, but I'm not going to. Um let's talk about let's talk about dogs and entertainment. All right. What mm-hmm. dog has his paw prints on the Hollywood Hall of Fame? Rin Tin Tin. You see, I knew you would know it. <laughs> there really is no other choice. Well, I guess you could have said Toto. Well, I think he's the only one. I think there are only two dogs. I've forgotten who the other one is. Maybe Lassie, I think. Oh, the other one. I didn't even think of Lassie. Two dogs that have their uh, paw prints on the Hollywood okay, Wall see. of Fame. So far, about a thousand. Um, if I'm wrong about Lassie, somebody tell me. Um, all right. Where was Rin Tin Tin discovered? Um, Rintintin was a poor German shepherd in the streets of Dubuque, Iowa, and um, he was walking down the street one day, and he was a little ratty, hadn't had a bath, and his collar was kind of torn, and someone took pity on him and said, I could make you a star, kid, and took him to Hollywood. No? When I went to drama school, <laughs> teachers told us that we'd learn the art of Bull. Yeah, I'm good at that. You are so good at that. <laughs> Don't ever trust me. You would have passed with flying colors. <laughs> All right. Rintintin was discovered as a shell-shocked pup, and he was found by an American serviceman, Lee Duncan, in a bombed-out dog kennel in France. Oh, wow. Less than two months before the end of World War One. And then he became a big star. Well, he see? was still, yeah. So when Duncan found him, which was September the 15th, he was still blind and nursing. So this Aww. pup was still nursing. And... Um, the dog was named after a puppet called Rin Tin Tin that French kids gave to the American soldiers for good luck. Oh. So the dog returned at the end of the war with Duncan to his home in Los Angeles. And he was nicknamed Rinty. I love it. And he learned tricks and he could leap great heights. And in fact, there's film of this dog making a 12-foot leap at a dog show. Wow. Yeah, which was captured on slow motion camera. 12, 12 feet. 12 feet. Yep. Um. I have to say, I mean, whew. I have to look at some of those movies again. Rin Tin Tin, those are great movies, yeah, especially if you are. have kids, because they yeah. make them like they used to. Right. So we talk like an old. And movie. his big break came when he stepped in um, for a wolf in mm. a film called The Man from Hell's River, and he he was cast as a wolf or a wolf hybrid many times in his career. Though he didn't look like one, he looked like a German. But I guess shepherd. a lot of people didn't know. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Now, his first starring role was in Where the North Begins in 1923, and he played alongside the silent screen actress Claire Adams, who hmm. I have no idea who I don't she know was. Who she is either. But the film was a huge success, all right? Yeah. So, which, here's my next question. Oh, okay. Which movie studio did Rin Tin Tin save from bankruptcy? Um, I'm going to say the only one I know, MGM. It was Warner Brothers. Oh. Yeah. Apparently, they were going through a very difficult time um, after the war. And with uh, Rin Tin Tin coming on doing films, yeah, they became extremely popular again. And he went on to do Clash of the Wolves, The Dog of the Regiment, Tiger Rose, all of these films in, in the 1920s. At the dog who saved Hollywood. He is a dog that saved Hollywood. <clears throat> I like it. Someone should do a movie about that. I know. Um, who knew? Who knew? What number, Rin Tin Tin, are we on now? Because Rin Tin Tin is still around. In fact, I met Rin Tin Tin. I've met him a number of times, but I met um, Rin Tin Tin at the Hero Dog Awards that was shown on the Hallmark Channel on November the 11th. But it was uh, an award ceremony that I attended in Hollywood on October the 1st of this year. a descendant of the original? Yes, so it's a descendant of the original. So what number are we on now? What number, Rin Tin Tin? 13. Gosh, where did you? Okay. Was that right? It is right. But you know what? You know the reason why it's... <laughs> Total it's, random guess. It's, it is a to- it's it's great because they didn't want to have a Rin Tin Tin 13. Because they thought it would be bad luck? Yeah. 
So I think it's from 12, work. and they're going to 14, and I actually met Rin Tintin 14. Wow. Yeah. But I just got to tell you, I pulled As that out puppy. of nowhere. Yeah. Woo. I'm very impressed with you. Yeah. If only I could remember to pick up stuff at the grocery store, I can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My life would be complete. Yeah. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I met this beautiful dog. Yeah. He's a beautiful dog. And actually, he uh, I presented him with the Legacy Award. Wow. And so if you're interested in finding out about Rin Tintin, go to our um, positively.com. You'll be able to find out. And at the at the Hero Dog Awards, I met him, but I also met him as well at the award ceremony that we did for dogs, the Hero Dogs of 9/11, mm-hmm. and that was in New York City. And there's a, a great picture of myself sitting with Rin Tin Tin on the sofa, so we'll put that up on the website oh. and you can see it. Oh yeah, I definitely want to see it. Is it the same family? Own Rin Tin Tin um, it, it actually no, it's not the same family. But uh, having said that, the the family that have him now have had um, have bred him for many, many, many years. So, and now different Rin Tin Tins are owned are ha- owned by one person, but mm-hmm. handled by different people. Gotcha. So you've probably got uh, quite a few male Rin Tin Tins. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But yeah, we're on number fourteen now. Fascinating. I met number fourteen, little pup. Oh, should we put some pictures of yeah, little pup on the website? Yeah, would you? I would love to see. I'm, I'm sure he's now. Baby. He's about six months old now. Wow. So yeah, so so thirteen. I would say twelve is still around, mm-hmm. and uh, fourteen is up and coming. It's like having your own clone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can it you imagine is. fourteen Victoria Stillwell? Oh, good grief! Yes. No, that would be hell on earth. <laughs> your your husband would cringe. Um, Okay, did I pass? One is enough. You passed. That was it. That was it? Quite quick. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Then I feel like we're ending on a positive note at this Positively podcast. Thank you. Next week. All right, yes. Next week, you come up with questions from me. <gasps> okay, deal. Done. Totally done. I love it. All right, all right. You know, it's um, next week is Thanksgiving, right? It so, is Thanksgiving, so uh, be nice to me. Oh, there's no no niceness here. Can we get Paula Bloom no back? Pity. I'd like to speak to Dr. Well, you know Paula what? Bloom again. After we do this, you might need Paula here, a little therapy. So yes, let's get Paula back for our Thanksgiving podcast. Why am I so dumb? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> All right. So until next week, have a, have a great trip to New Bedford, Massachusetts, Thank Saturday you. the 19th. And don't forget, um, peruse the website, Positively.com. There's info on trainers on there. It's Mirror the Dog, all these podcasts. Um, you can find out about uh, Vic's appearances and petsatlife.org. And um, I'll put up a picture of my toes on the beach. Oh, I love that. You've got great toes. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter.com. It's me or the dog. If you want to find out what I'm doing daily, Facebook.com slash Victoria Stillwell. Done. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.